0: Of heights to the depths of the sea
1: If God says that your days are numbered and he tells you that your days are numbered your days are numbered and you could hide in your bedroom for, for every day until then and guess what a tree will break and come through your house and kill you to the fragrance of
0: spring every creature you everyone and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. It's easy to understand why King Ahab of Israel went to this battle. He didn't want to believe that Micaiah's prophecy was true and wanted to courageously oppose it. It's not so easy to understand why King Jehoshaphat of Judah went to this battle with Ahab. He should have believed the prophecy of Micaiah and known that the battle would end in disaster and the death of Ahab. We know that God is always true to his word. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, Already in Progress.
1: Or shall I refrain? And so they said, go up, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. So all 400 of these prophets are saying the same thing. And remember, these weren't godly prophets. These were false prophets. These weren't men of God. They were men on Ahab's payroll so that when they prophesied, you can see that they're always looking at the king's face, you know, trying to figure out what exactly he wants. And they're like, The Lord wants to do this, and the Lord's going to do that. And then Ahab's going, yeah, I like that. That's what he's going to do. And you know, they're just yes men. They're just yes men, just trying to please the one who's paying them. (laughs) And they said, go up. The Lord will deliver uh, Syria into the hand of the king. And Jehoshaphat, verse 7, said, is there not still a prophet of Jehovah here? That we may inquire of him. And I, I love the discernment of Jehoshaphat because he knew that these 400 prophets were not prophets of the Lord, but they were false prophets. And this really, if you think about it, was a show of no confidence in Ahab or his prophets for Jehoshaphat, and this is one of the things God, why God could probably use a man like Jehoshaphat, because he wasn't afraid to stand up to Ahab, and, and, and the relationship must have been really strange because it doesn't appear to have affected Ahab's attitude toward Jehoshaphat. Can you see that picture? He's got these 400 false prophets telling him what he wants to know, and Jehoshaphat is saying, isn't there a prophet of Jehovah still here? And Ahab's got to be wondering to himself, what do you mean? i got 400 guys right here, and they're, they're all dressed up in white and linen. Look at them. They're beautiful. They're on my payroll. What's wrong with them? A prophet of Jehovah. Big difference. And so, hmm. so the king of Israel, verse 8, said to Jehoshaphat, there is still one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. Now the emphasis is mine. But I hate him because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say such things. I really wonder how he said that. Because if he said it like I did, he almost wonder if there was a little bit of understanding in Jehoshaphat's heart that, you know, you're being played, Ahab. You don't understand who you've got working for you. And isn't it true that it's often one man or a remnant of the minority that is godly and obedient? Might does not make right. The mass mob isn't right most of the time. If not most of the time, they are wrong. It's usually the one man or the small group of people that God loves to use and be glorified in. That's why we don't have to worry about being huge. The church doesn't have to be huge to change this world upside down. God used 12 men. He used 12 men to turn the world right side up again because it was upside down. And how much can God use Christians in America to turn our country around? Oh my goodness. He could do it. But are we willing to submit to Him? Are we willing to examine our own hearts? Are we willing to repent of our sin? Are we willing to be vocal, lovingly vocal? Are we willing to be submitted to Christ? Or are we going to go along with all the shades of the world? And folks, we have to make that decision now. Because we're living in a time where we need to be sold out for Christ. And I would encourage you, if there's anything in your heart tonight that is not red hot would you ask god tonight in in your privacy when you go home and say lord there's a lot of stuff in me that's just not right there are things there are uh, compartments within my heart that i'm not willing to let you take control of i don't want you to see them even though you can see them i can't fool you but there are areas in my heart that i'm just not willing to hand over the keys And God is going, well, I want all of you because I want your life to be a blessing. Don't you want your life to be a blessing? Don't you want to please your Lord who saved you from an eternity of hell? I mean, think about it. When I think of it in that terms, I'm like, it blows my mind. I'm like, Lord, my very reasonable service is to glorify you. It's to give everything to you, my life to you. Whatever you want me to do, regardless of where I'm at, whether I'm in the workplace, whether I'm in full-time ministry, part-time ministry, or no ministry at all. Maybe you're just a, a, a housewife or you know, a whatever. Do it with the best of your ability and do it as unto him, Wherever, whatever you're doing. Give it all to him and do it for his glory and have him give you the strength to do that one thing and do it for him. And those small things, God is like, oh my goodness, if I just had more people who would do the same. So here, Micaiah is standing against these 400 prophets, standing against This ungodly king, and little did Ahab know that this was God's last intervention in his life before his life would be taken. This was it. This was the last time that God was going to speak to Ahab, and, and he was using Micaiah. Notice in verse 9, it says, Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Bring Micaiah, the son of Imlah, quickly. So you can see it in Ahab's... I, I can already see his body language. Jehoshaphat's over there probably smiling, going, Okay, now you're really going to hear the truth. And Ahab's going, Yeah, I know I'm going to hear the truth Not, I'm not going to like it, because I hate that guy. Because he's always telling the truth. Well, here's the thing, Ahab, if, if you know that he's going to prophesy evil against you, maybe you ought to wonder, well, am I deserving the evil? And the answer is, yes. If you're doing evil, then you got business coming to you. But if you're doing well, then God is pleased with you. And he doesn't need to send two prophets to warn you about your own impending death and the slaughter of your family after your decease. And the fact that Israel is now going to be like a sh- like sheep on a hill that's been scattered because they have no shepherd, because their shepherd, false shepherd, Ahab, is now gone from them, which he will soon be taken from them, so the king of Israel says, Bring Micaiah, the son of Imlah quickly. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, having put on their robes, they sat each on his throne at a threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. So this place where they would thresh wheat. So it was a little bit of a, an area that was raised so that people, as they threshed their wheat, they would throw it up in the air and the grain would fall to the ground and the chaff, the wind would take away and then they would gather up that stuff. So then there they are. These two kings, sitting in their robes there at the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before them. All the 400 prophets, that is. Now Zedekiah, the son of uh, Chenanah, had made horns of iron for himself. And he said, thus says the Lord, with these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. So these men were telling Ahab exactly what he wanted to hear, even though it was false. Don't you hate it when somebody doesn't tell you the truth? I would rather have somebody tell me the truth and that it hurts me because it's going to change me. If somebody tells me the truth about something concerning my life or my character, especially if they really love me, Tell me the truth. Don't lie to me. Don't tell me that things are going okay when things are not okay. Don't tell me that my attitude is right when my attitude is completely wrong. Don't tell me that it's okay to sin when I'm when, if I'm in sin. Don't tell me that it's okay. Lovingly tell me and rebuke me in Jesus' name. And if we do that rightly and with the right heart, they will know that you love them. I've always loved people who told me the truth, even if I didn't like it. I may be sour for a, a moment, but you know what? If the Spirit of God's got a hold on me, and I and I believe he does, and I want him to have more of a hold on me, then I'm gonna think about it and go, you know what, God? They they were so right. They were so right, and, and it hurt because it's true. The truth sometimes hurts hurts, doesn't it? So verse 13, then the messenger. Who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him, so now check this out this man, this messenger comes to Micaiah, and he says, "Hey, you can see him whisper, getting him close to him. Now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord, they encourage the king, so please let your word be like the word of one of them, and speak encouragement, please, just want peace for once." Can't you just agree with these guys? And notice the pressure that is on Micah now to get him to be at consensus with men who are not even governed by God, but rather being governed by a demon. And there's always going to be pressure on the one who walks close to the Lord and is obedient to the Word of God. If you are walking in the Spirit, you are going to be a marked person. Don't find it strange when people around you treat you differently, when they scorn you, when they make fun of you, when you're the, least, the last one that's promoted, even though you do the better job than anybody else, you're going to be the guy who's going to be low on the totem pole because they don't like the Jesus that's in you because they see the scriptures on your, on your cubicle wall or in your office. They see the scriptures. They see the light that's in you. They see that you're not like them. When they go to the bars after work, you're not one to join them. And they're, 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 they don't like you because you're not like one of them. They like to run in packs like wolves. And if you're not a part of the pack, then you're an enemy of the pack. Isn't that the way it is in the world? Especially among men, that's true. (laughs) I worked at a Fortune 500 company here in Rochester for about eight years. And I know this to be true. But like dripping water on sandstone, the the world wants to erode the resolve and the faith of the true believer in Christ. Just like these guys coming to my guy, please say Agree with these guys and just tell them, tell the king what he wants to hear. They're all in agreement. You're one against 400. Come on, just do the right thing. (laughs) The right thing. Do the right thing. But know this, that you, as a believer, will most likely be the one and perhaps the only one going against the tide. In life, in situations in your family, you may be the only born again believer in your family, and everyone else is agreeing to do this thing, and it's probably not a good thing. And you're the one to stand up and say, "You know what? I don't think it's a good idea." Oh, you're gonna you holier than thou now? Are you a holy roller now? Have you heard those phrases, Mrs. or Mister. Goody Two Shoes now? Oh, they're so pious and wonderful. We can't associate with sinners like us. It's the way they think. And let them say all that they want. You know what? I would rather be a friend of God and an enemy of my entire family. I don't desire to be an enemy of my family. And thank God my family knows where I stand and they love me and, and the Lord's working in them too. But I don't have an antagonistic family, but some people do. You be focused on Christ. You be straight with the Lord. You stand up for Christ and you do the right thing and smile and make no, ever, no apologies for it. You stand. In the evil day, stand. Even against your blood, your flesh and blood, don't ever cave into them. The greatest witness is the one standing right in front of them. They need to see that resolve because you serve a different kingdom. You serve a different master. You're not part of the conglomerate of America. You're different. You're a chosen generation. You are a unique people. Isn't that what the the, the apostle says? A chosen generation, a unique people, a purchased people. How precious in the sight of God are you. Diamonds in the rough all around the world are believers in Christ. So Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that's what I'm going to speak. That's his response to this messenger, and this is the way we ought to respond uh, in the world. And even those in the church of God, we need to respond to to that the same way. I'm going to speak what the Lord tells me, because guess what? Anything else, anything less, is compromise. It's just compromise. Then we fear man rather than fearing God. And what does it say? The fear of man brings What? a snare. We're to fear God. Yes, fear him because he's, of of any being in the universe, he is the only one who can sentence us to an eternal damnation, but he's also the one who has saved us for eternal and everlasting life. But he will give you your choice you can make your choice. He's going to intervene in your life. But if you keep resisting and keep resisting and keep resisting and taking the cord and casting it from you, say, I will have not have this man rule over me, there's going to come a time when the Lord will say, I love you enough that I am going to give you your decision. That's why in, in the book of Exodus, remember, it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart during the plagues of Egypt. Read it. Three times it says that finally, after so many times of Pharaoh hardening his heart, Pharaoh hardening his heart, then it says, then the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. (laughs) There came a point where the Lord was going to affirm his decision. And that is a scary moment in the life of any human being is when God affirms what you want so badly that you've done everything to avoid Him, you've done everything to cast off His goodness, His, his grace, His mercy, and you, you're just hard-hearted. And there comes a point, and I hope nobody comes to that, is an earshot of this. Hopefully no one gets to that point where God says, okay, I'm, I, I love you enough to give you the choice. Because isn't that what love is? Love is a choice. I don't love my wife because I have to. I love her because I love her. And she loves me because she loves me. There's nobody putting a gun to her head. It's a choice that she has made. It's a choice that I, and when it's working, it's beautiful. It's the way it's supposed to be. But that's what love is it is a choice, it's the volition of the heart. It's a determination, regardless of externals. Even after all of our beauty fades, you know, when we're 20-something, 30-something, and we're blonde hair and beautiful and 95 pounds, and all of a sudden we get 60 and 70, and we're a little bit weighing more than that, and the, the, some gray starts to fit in, and things aren't just are not formed like they used to be. Is the choice of love still there? It is for those who know the Lord. It is for those whose marriages are rooted in Christ. So they came to the king. He came to the king. And the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war? Now, picture this in your head. The 400 prophets are standing there with Ahab. And here comes this guy. And they're all looking narrowly upon him, seeing what he's going to say. Micah, shall we go to war against Ramoth-Gilead, or shall we refrain? And he answered, Go. Prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. Go, have fun. I'll even go out with you and wave the flag and sing a couple songs. And he's being very sarcastic when he's saying this. So Micaiah, extremely sarcastic. Ahab knows it, and that is why he responds to the prophet the way he does in verse 16. So the king said, how many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And so there seems to be some precedent here. Can you see that in this phrase? In other words, this is not the first rodeo that Ahab and uh, the prophet have had together. How many times, notice, that, do I have to have you swear to tell me the truth in the name of the Lord? Because everybody else is saying, do this and do that. And Micaiah is just going, yeah, just do it. Just whatever you want. And he's like, I know that's not what the Lord has told you to say. Well, that's what you want to hear, isn't it, Ahab? Then follow the 400 men. Why do you even call me when you've already made up your mind to disobey God? I mean, that's really Micaiah's you know, thoughts. So this is evident, evidently not the first time that he was browbeaten by the king and the other false prophets. So verse 17, then he said, I know, and here's the prophecy. Micaiah says, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. Remember that. Because this is literally going to come to pass. And the Lord said, they, these have no master, let each of uh, return to his house in peace. And what we're going to see, verses 17 through 23, is a prophecy that will come to pass later on in the chapter, beginning in around verse 29. And it's going to be a prophecy concerning the means and the end of Ahab's life and his reign. So, verse eighteen, the king said uh, the King of Israel Ahab said to Jehoshaphat, "Did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil?" And then Micaiah said, therefore hear the word of the Lord. So he continues now, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and the host of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord says, who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner and another spoke in that manner. And notice this was a certainly a prophecy concerning Ahab's imminent death. His imminent death. And this prophecy of Micaiah was consistent with what we read or what we read in um, uh, that Elijah had said in First Kings chapter 21. Um, re- we read that earlier, remember? When, when Elijah came before Ahab and said, I'll bring calamity upon you and your house shall be like the, the house of Jeroboam, which his house was killed, all the males were killed by his enemy. And the same thing with Baasha. And that the the dogs would eat Jezebel and, you know, all of these things. We we read that prophecy in um, chapter 21, verse 21 through 24. And so we'll see that later on in verse 30, that regardless uh, of what Ahab does, and we're going to see him disguise himself, thinking that he would uh, somehow, you know, be able to thwart God's word, he's still going to lose his life, no matter what he does. And you can't thwart what God has said and what God knows. It's it's futile. If God says that your days are numbered and he tells you that your days are numbered, your days are numbered, and you could hide in your bedroom for for every day until then, and guess what? A tree will break and come through your house and kill you. Or you can go out and think that you're going to be safe by staying off the roads and a a meteor or a bolt of lightning could take your life. There is no way you can escape the almighty power of God. And I love this because if you're his child, you're protected. And if you're his enemy, you'd better be careful because you're on slippery ice. Not because he hates you. No, God doesn't hate. He doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. That's what the Bible says. It's not his will that any should perish, but what? That all should come to repentance. And so, verse 21, then a spirit came forward. And here, Micaiah is giving this uh, this prophecy of what he sees in the heavenly realm in the spiritual realm and and these angels uh, good and evil are coming before the throne of god and then a spirit came forward verse 21 and said and stood before the lord and says i will persuade him and the lord said to him in what way he says so he said i will go out and i will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets and notice what the lord said you shall persuade him and you also shall prevail go and do so Now notice here also that even though God knew that this evil spirit would ask this petition, God probes the conditions of the request. And only upon that condition does he allow it to happen.
0: I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings.